0: And
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I'm your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart, Marty Leeds. As you guys know, we are live from not Beecher, Wisconsin. We're not there. We are in an in, in undisclosed location somewhere in the Midwest. Um, we're in Oklahoma. We're Actually, we're in Oklahoma. We're at my friend Ryan Reese's house, and we'd like to say thank you to the Reese family for putting us up and uh, feeding us and all that other stuff. Uh, I've got a friend of mine that I've known for... A coon's age, um, uh, something like that, long time, and so we're here visiting, and we're going to go to a hockey game today, and I'll probably have too many beers. It's probably going to happen. So anyway, welcome everybody. As you guys know, we do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, and that's why you're here. like to say thank you to content safe for me on BitChute, Rumble, Odyssey, and we are streaming to YouTube and Rockfin. You know the, the deal. We got a long one today. Might not be too long, probably about two hours, but we're going to cover some really tasty, some good morsels, some good... Good morsels. Want to say thank you to Auntie Jake, the Brew Piuses Bobby ninety six and fam, Mr. Permier and fam, Duncan Smith, Truth Seeker, Javier Mujica, Jared Pool. Thank you very much, my friend Eric C. Stella and Krupa, uh, Daniel Hager, uh, Marty Hum. Thank you very much, Gareth Turner, Rachel Carpenter, Gen X rated Angie A. Grounded Extracts, Agape, Small Axe. Who's always here, killing it. Fancy Dirt 333, Ruth Scott Carey, Musgrave, LW Guru Magic, Oscar Sanchez, Virginia Marie, Alicia Crowfoot, Samurai Pool. I think there was one more. Oh, Cameron Keen. Ooh, I almost forgot. Cameron Keen sent $33. Illuminati confirmed. Thank you very much, Mr. Cameron. And, of course, thanks to everybody that's purchased the book and all members of the Academy, as you guys know. No, I do not have the swear jar with me today. So you guys are just going to have to keep a tally, keep a tab, something like that. I'm sure Small Axe will keep a tab since it's going to his daughter. And then he'll just send me a bell and we'll probably end up, like I said, getting on a second mortgage or something like that because you know how it is when you're hanging around Mr. Leeds, you know? That's the kind of church we run here. Uh, Lovely to see all you wonderful faces today. Um, And there's a few newbies here, so that's great. So that is awesome. So, okay, let's get this going. Let's do a quick prayer and then we'll march forward. As we begin to take steps towards our purpose, We ask that you give us wisdom. As your word promises us, we ask in faith that you will give us wisdom in every small and large decision as we step into our purpose. We thank you that we don't have to rely on our own understanding, as we know that your wisdom will guide us to our exact purpose. Thank you that we can come to the throne and ask anything. We ask for your guidance, and we thank you for the gift and power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, pretty good. Today, we are coming live from Oklahoma. We've been around and about, uh, traveling the last week, as you know. We were live from uh, Spring Tucky, Springfield, Missouri, last week at the the Brew Piuses. I'll talk about that a little bit. And then today we are in Oklahoma, and we are going to talk about apostolic succession and Paul, a prisoner of Christ. There's just a few things that have been floating around on the interwebs, and a few people that have dropped by the Telegram channel and have been mentioning you know, certain things about apostolic succession and prisoner and, like, kind of essentially just questions about, you know, the language in the Bible, and we're just going to cover some of that today. So that's what we'll be talking about. But first, I just want to talk about our little jaunt into misery. Yes, the first thing, one of the first things we came when we were driving into misery, um, Jennifer and I never had any, um, Thoughts or expectations or even dreams or anything like that of ever living in Missouri. So coming down here was just kind of checking it out. And one of the first things you come across when you drive into Missouri is the Uranus Fudge Factory, and that's on Exit 163. And it's the best best fudge comes from Uranus. So that was our that was our welcome into Missouri. And so as soon as we got in, we're like, ooh. Maybe this isn't the place for us. Maybe maybe we'll go back to, uh, like, Hawaii and deal with the communism. So, anyway. But, obviously, like my friend Ryan was saying, hey, that's a million-dollar idea. Yes, it's retarded. Yes, it's disgusting. Yes, it's, you know, makes you kind of be like, oh, this, this is this is the South. But I can guarantee that they're doing really well. So, that's advertising. Advertising works, okay? Just say so you no. Know. No, we did not go in and get any of the fudge, though. So, um, one thing I want to say about misery or Missouri is one thing that... Um, I don't know. I, I was talking to people my age, 40, 44, that sort of thing that grew up in our generation. And one of the things we've, we've talked about is just watching the dilapidation of this country. Um, you know, as you know, it's happening everywhere. We grew, you know, I, I spent, I don't know, 10 plus year, 10 years, 8, 10 years or whatever it was in Eugene, Oregon or around Oregon. And just in that time, we watched, um, you know, Eugene just go to absolute shit. Portland go to absolute, I mean, those towns when we, when I first went there were great towns. You know, they were, there was a lot of you know, potential and possibility, and it was like clean, and now it is, I mean, it's basically homeless camps, you know, and it's really, I was talking to my dad about this, too, because we watched this really happen in our lifetime, where a lot of these cities and towns and stuff like that just fell to deterioration, because the, I mean, let's just face it, the economy of this country has been ripped out. I mean, our country and, you know, every state has been under attack for years now, you know, this, this country has been sold out. By international interest? Oh, we don't need to get into the who, do we? No, since we're on YouTube, we'll have to (laughs) skip that convo this morning. But it's just really sad to see, because you basically see this really beautiful country, and... You know, the, the economies are ripped out and people are so poor and, you know, that you, you can't fix up these buildings and the downtowns are going to shit. And because you basically had a an industry or whatever that moved into a downtown and people built up a town and there's, well, you know, like you go into some of these cities in Missouri and there's like beautiful squares, you know, like your traditional town square with all the nice little shops. And then all of a sudden Walmart moves in and like, ah, you guys can all go fuck yourselves. And then what's left is, you know, a dilapidated country and you see it happening everywhere. I mean, we've seen in Oregon, we've seen in Wisconsin, even in around Wisconsin, some of these cities have just, you know, Madison used to be a nice city. Like when I was a young man, I was like, ooh, and not even like, not even like following the the libtarded politics or anything like that. Just like, oh, it could be a cool city to, you know, raise a family in or start a business or just, you know, there's things to do. And now... I mean, like Portland, I would not even go downtown Portland. You know, I always carry my rosary as my protection. But that said, you know, carrying a Glock 26 is not a bad idea either. You know, if you're walking downtown Portland, you know, I wouldn't even go downtown anymore without, you know, carrying, which is is really sad to see. So um, the beautiful thing is, is that um, as we found, the people down here are absolutely fantastic. I mean, truly salt of the earth. Amazing, amazing people. Um, Everyone we've met literally has been just like top notch and um just so giving and w- like welcoming and uh, open with their time and all that other stuff so it's really good because you got a lot of people that are moving here that are really um, aimed at um you know fixing it up you know making making it uh, this this sort of dilapidated area into something something really nice so it's it's pretty cool um we've met a lot of good buyers. me and my wife have met many many good byards on our trip And, um, so we want to say thank you first and foremost to the Brew Piuses, that's Chance Brew and Jen Brew the Piuses, we love you guys very much, you guys are the shit. Um, we spent the night over there at the Interverse Podcast Studio, and, uh, just love the guys, just, we had a, you know, great time, went out to dinner and all that other stuff. Jen Brew's hilarious, as you can see, she is part elf-like, my wife and I, my, we're a different race of elves, like, we're the sort of stocky, stumpy race, and Jen Jen Brew's not really part of that race, but she's still an elfkin. Like, you want to just grab her and, like, pull her ears up and give her a quiver of arrows or something. She's kind of like that. Funny as hell. Um, just wonderful people. So we stop there. Um, we and we meet these people, and it's like they're family. It's like it's like we've known them for 10 years. And I know a lot of people, a lot of you guys or whatever, see me and maybe have been watching me for years, so you feel like you know me. But I don't know these people. We're just walking into the house. And you meet him and it's like you've met him for, you know, like you've known him for 10, 20 years. And so we met, um, you know, but it's part of our family now. We really feel like uh, Auntie auntie Jake. Um, we stopped at her house and had dinner and just, you know, as soon as we walked in, it was like we'd known her for 20 years. It was like literally my aunt. And it was so, um, yeah, it's fantastic. It's really fantastic. Just so many good bards, you know what I mean? Good bards. So um, after seeing Auntie uh, Jackie, so thank you so much, Auntie Jackie. It was uh, Auntie Jake sorry i'll get that right one of these days um it's just great you know she opened up her house to us and she she hemmed my pants she's like oh you're you're really short i didn't know you were that short i was like yeah i'm that short she's like honey let me hem your pants like just like your mama used to do (laughs) so thanks auntie jake uh went down and seen uh perspective 96 bear we i like to call him bobby 96 he probably doesn't like me calling him bobby 96 but i don't give a shit i'm in i'm in oklahoma what are you gonna do about it nothing anyway great dude Great family. Immediately, we we met him and his wife um, Shannon. I'm terrible with names, so I'll probably screw that up. Anyway, um, just beautiful. And the the crazy thing about <laughs> the crazy thing about this is the children. The children are unbelievably well behaved. Like you know, most children that I was around, especially living in like like Eugene and stuff like that, is the children are. It's like chaos in a human. It's just like it's like there's no parenting that's going on. Not with these families. It's like that was the one of the first things that Jennifer and I said. It's like, damn, well-behaved children. It's like, it's like if you guys are lacking hope in the world, you haven't met some of these children. Because <laughs> I wasn't like that as a kid, you know. You can't lack hope because faith, hope, and charity. We have to have hope in, in God and hope in the future. But when you see some of these children, I'm like, no, we're we're gonna be fine. Yeah, we're gonna have some rough spells. There's no question about that. But if that's if these, you know, if these children are gonna be the next generation, it's all good, you know. And maybe they'll learn a little bit bit of math from Marty Leeds. So anyway, uh, Bobby96, wonderful to meet you and your family, and uh, hope we get to spend more time with you. We also went and hung out with, um, there's some bears in the area there, Uh, Mr. Permi Bear, and just happened to call this guy, and he invited us over. He's like, yeah, just come up to the house, and he gave us, like, you know, an hour and a half of his time or something like that, just chatted, wonderful. Like, you know, was, like, really giving with his time and his information, and just, once again, it was, like, you know, it was like, oh, I was like, I'd known this guy for ten years or something. So, um, fantastic. Anyway, really great people down here. You don't, you know, I actually, I was telling, I was telling a story that I cut this person off. Sorry, we'll get into the theology in just a second here. Um, <laughs> we kind of are in one sense, but I cut this person off and on accident, right? I didn't do it on purpose. And in, in a <laughs> in this parking lot, and it was this woman, and she was like smoking a cigarette, and I was just like, oh, geez, she's gonna flip me out or something like that. And she's just like, she just waves. I'm like. That shit doesn't happen in Chicago. That doesn't happen. You might get shot if you, you know, you know. so it's like literally like four hours, far five hours south. It's a completely different area, you know? So anyway, we found a piece of land that looks fairly good that we might be, uh, we, it looks like we're going to be doing it. Um, we're going to be pulling the trigger on Um and it's literally like, it just happens to be like 10 minutes from Christopher Gardner, like 10, 12 minutes from Christopher Gardner, who runs Biocharisma podcast. It just happened to be, we were just look, looking at air, you know, this is the one piece of land and he's literally down the street and Permie Bear's, you know, 40, 45 minutes. So it's pretty cool. So anyway, we just sort of walked into a situation where there was just a lot of people that were really welcoming and giving and that are aware and awake, if you will, homesteading, um, smart, funny, you know, down to earth, once again, salt of the earth people. So i really can't say enough good things about the you know the, the people and all of that of missouri it's unfortunate that our country and the politicians and all that have have led this country into the place it is right now it's really sad because it's like man these places if there were people that actually cared about the people that lived here i mean america could be you know not a utopia that's not what i'm saying but you know what i mean it's it's sad to me. So all those people that are out there that are that are trying to rebuild, reclaim, and resacralize, as we talk about, God bless you, God bless you. So, all right, Matthew, fifty dollars. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you so much. Um, they have putt pirates at a golf course at Uranus. God bless it. See, this is what I'm saying. Now I've said all this good thing about Missouri, and now I'm like, then I read what Chance has to say, and my lord. Anyway, okay, let's move on. So today we are going to talk about apostolic succession and Paul, the prisoner of Christ. Actually, we talked about this a little bit, but there's been, uh, we we did a whole live stream on Ephesians and Paul, but I want to revisit some of it. And then we're going to talk about apostolic succession. And I'll go into that and what that means and the claim about that. And we're going to talk about how absolutely retarded the claim of apostolic succession is. And please quote me there. Okay. So we will get into it because it's absolutely ridiculous. And I'll explain what that is and everything. So, um, and I don't even remember who shared this on the Telegram, but somebody had shared this and was saying that basically just sort of... And actually, I think it might have been Jaron, now that I think about it. Um, he was on the Telegram, and he was bitching about Christians and stuff like that, and he had sent this over, and this is what it said. And I don't know who this is. I I'm just going to read this, and I'm just we'll talk about it, and then we'll get into Paul and that sort of thing. It says, slavery is not morally wrong, period. So there's the first sentence. Slavery is not morally wrong. So that's the first sentence that they had to say. So holding somebody, taking somebody's freedoms, holding them against their will, taking their right to their life, their, their pursuit of happiness, enslaving them, work, making them work for you for your, their entire life, where you profit off their labor and they get nothing but slavery, is not morally wrong. No, no, slavery is and always will be wrong. Holding somebody against their will that God has given them, when they don't want that, hold, literally imprisoning them for their life because that's what slavery is, is absolutely wrong. Why this would would even need to be contested is insane. This is what this person goes on to say: Children are slaves to their parents as children are told by their parents what they can and cannot do. Wow. That's not the definition of slavery. Children are slaves to their parents. As children are told by their parents, yes, uh, a slave is somebody that is, uh, you know, usually a mature person that you steal from somebody, imprison them, capture them in chains, make them work their entire life, and then barely feed them or whatever we know what slavery is. And then letting them just die or whatever, right? So slavery is... Literally taking somebody's freedom away when you make children you are you know by the grace of God giving life You are their protector. You are their teacher. You are their you know, like You are you are self-sacrificing parenting is a huge self-sacrifice. It's a huge sacrifice You're sacrificing all the things that you wanted to do in life, right? So you could have children to raise them so that they would have the opportunity to live a a, a wonderful life. It's a huge sacrifice. Do you sacrifice anything when you have a slave? No. All you do is gain. So the people that are, so this first two sentences here, these people are justifying slavery through morality as moral through Christianity. And then saying children are slaves. No, children are gifts of God. So are those slaves that you're enslaving. Workers are slaves to their bosses so they can actually do their job and make a living. No, I've quit jobs. I've quit a bunch of jobs. Some There was, I think, two jobs, one, one or two jobs I just walked out on. I didn't even give them two weeks because they were absolute jackasses. You can leave a job whenever you want. Whenever you want, right? No one's, I mean, unless you live in like China or something, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing over there. But in America here, I know in the great state of Canada, if you don't like your job, you can literally physically leave it, and there's no repercussions. Can you do that if you're a slave? This was written by a Christian. This was written by, an, or, as far as I know, somebody who is promoting orthodoxy or your traditional literalist Christianity. They're relating their children to slaves and saying slavery is not wrong people are slaves to their leaders states and governments so there can be order and guidance within a society wow no not at all no one and, and if we do become slaves what happens revolution fighting overthrowing of governments in fact whether you like the constitution or the declaration of independence or whatever if when you read that it's you know it it clearly you know when you talk about the people that are literally you know allegedly wrote it and all that other stuff it's like oh no when things go bad the people have a right when the government comes corrupt and taking your freedoms away, as opposed to being the, you know, the, 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 the organization that protects them. When they take them away, you have a right to overthrow them because they're taking your rights away. The first three lines of this are absolutely 100% diabolical, immoral to the fucking core, and this comes from a Christian no we're not slaves to our leaders and in fact the reason that we are so we're taxed to death and stuff like that what's happening with the general populace starting to get a little pissed off aren't we we're starting to be like huh we're sick and tired of these fucking assholes is that a couple quarters whatever it is somebody keep track these people are saying no it's uh you're a slave to them your children are slaves slavery is okay and then it finally says, uh, "People, uh, most importantly, humans and everything that exists are slaves to God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Slaves to God. Well, this is one I would agree with. We are slaves to God. And we'll actually talk about what I mean by slave and all that sort of stuff. Now, um, so this is, this is the definition of slavery, by the way. A condition in which one human being was owned by another. You actually don't own your children. When they become, you know, a, 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 at least a legal age, they can leave and you can't do shit about it. So your children are not slaves they're 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 your property and because you created them until they get to an age and then after that just like our auntie jake said you know uh she's like her mom wanted to keep her in uh missouri when she was 17 and she's like no i'm going to california there was nothing her mom was going to do could do save for destroying the relationship with her daughter if she was going to hold her back that she was going to california it doesn't matter what mama thinks so this is how absolutely diluted absolutely mind-bendingly diluted these this you know this sort of and this is what we talk about today this literalist fundamentalist understanding of christianity is completely 100 percent through and through have no idea what they're talking about no slavery is not okay it's never been okay no your children are not slaves they're gifts of god and you're still there. You're you're there to teach them and nurture them and protect them and and do everything in your power to give them the best life possible. This is sick. This is disgusting to me. And to be honest, I I when if there's those Christians out there, whether that's online or in person or anything like that, I have no interest in any interaction with you whatsoever, none. If that offends you, because there are some people that really want to talk to Marty Leeds, and I'll just be the first to tell you right here you don't get my time. If you say that, you don't deserve my time. You don't deserve anything I have to say. If you want to just rip on what we say here all day long, no one here gives a shit and I don't give a shit. That's disgusting. Period. Full stop. Now, let's talk about Paul as a prisoner of Christ. Now I said we're slaves to God. Oh Jesus, that sounds terrible. Slaves, we're a prison. It's a trap. We're going to talk about all this goddamn nonsense that is happening across the web about simulation theory, and it's a trap, and it's a fallen world, and blah 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 blah. And we're going to try to clear this this morning a little bit. I'm a little tired. I've been traveling a lot, so give me a give me a little leeway here. So we talked about this. This is this is Ephesians. Andrew Masonette, thank you so much. Slaved all week to share this with you. Lots of love. Oh yeah, exactly right. Um, for this is Ephesians uh, chapter three. This is what it says. We already talked about this, but we'll do a little revisiting. For this cause, I, Paul, comma, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, comma. Okay, right. So Paul is announcing to the world, I'm a prisoner of God. I'm a prisoner. Like, damn, that sounds awful. Really, God's a piece of shit. He's just imprisoning everybody and, like, fucking with them and, like, you know, making you feel guilty. And look at you, sinners. Ah, Right? I mean, this is your classic sort of, you know, I mean, depending on what church you go to, of course. But, you know, in general, that's your sort of classic modern understanding of Christianity. And I think it's garbage. I think it's garbage. I think think you've lost the poetry of the written word completely. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Then it goes on to say this. And let's understand what Paul really means by calling himself a prisoner. This is poetry. This is not meant to be read literally. This is not meant to be read like fundamental. oh, he's a prisoner. God is enslaving us. Oh, this, uh, life sucks. For this cause, I, Paul, comma, the prisoner, we're going to focus on the word prisoner, of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, to you word given me to you word okay if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which has given me to you word how that be revelation he made known unto me the mystery a revelation was made known by Paul Paul had a Kabbalistic Gnostic experience where he received direct insight from the Almighty and then he's like this is the insight I have and I'm gonna, I, I am now a prisoner to this insight, to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to give this insight from me to you, word. And what is that insight? It is a dispensation. He received a dispensation. What is a dispensation? A dispensation is, in this context, it means a system of order, government or organization of a nation, community, etc., a system of order, government or organization of a nation community. So what Paul is saying here is he I received I received a direct insight from God. This is this is what Kabbalah is receiving. This is a gnostic revelation. this is what it is. direct knowledge. And he's like, hey, I'm, I'm standing, I'm going to be like this, I, I'm a prisoner for you Gentiles. if you've heard of the dis- the system of order of governance, if ye have heard of the system of order of governance, of the grace of God, the grace of grace not the God is a prick and he's jealous and he's smacking us around no 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 that's not what it says it says a grace which is given me to you word how that by revelation Gnostic revelation receiving he made unto know unto me the mystery there's a big mystery down here what is the mystery what does he mean by a prison a prisoner I'm a prisoner of the Lord God what is a prison? First off, when we look at a prisoner, like prison, we just look at the word. We're like, oh, okay. Um, let's just look at the definition and then let's see what it means. A person found guilty of a felony or a misdemeanor may be required to serve a prison sentence. Okay. Well, in in this sense, you could say, well, Paul screwed up. Like he was, you know, he hated the, you know, Christians at one point, stuff like that. Did a whole 180 arc he did. Paul did a whole 180 arc, right? Came all the way back and was like, oh yeah, maybe uh, that Christ guy. yeah that's where it was all about, right? So... So he was learning his lesson anyway, and from learning his lesson, he received a revelation. And this revelation was what? Of a system of order of governance. That's what it is. A system of order of governance by the grace of God, which means who is your authority? What he's receiving is a system of order of governance, which basically means this God has jurisdiction over everything period. That's why it's called the king dome. You know, there's a allegedly a dome as far as we know, right? At least with all those ancient cultures that were so wise as hell and we're dumb as hell, let's just be honest. They're all like, this place is flat and there's a dome. And then they call it the kingdom of God. And then Genesis even tells you, hey, that's that's exactly what you're in right now. It's, a, you know, a, it's a firmament and that sort of thing. What the, the the big revelation that Paul had received is like, oh, God has jurisdiction over fucking everything. Period, no. Like, but there, but oh, what? No, 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 no. God owns everything. He owns your body. He owns this land. He owns yesterday and tomorrow. He owns the sky. He owns the he owns the mountains, the tower up. He owns the pole star and every other light in the camp. He. He owns and has jurisdiction over everything. Now, what happens is men come along, and say they come along and be like. Bub, 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 bub. I am in control of you. This is exactly what happened to Christ. This is exa- the, the 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 crucifixion of Christ is case law. Okay, these all of a sudden, oh, you're guilty. The the most sinless man that has ever walked the face of the earth. You're guilty. According to who? Some old Jews. Okay, and then he went into their courts because all of a sudden they had jurisdiction, allegedly, though they didn't. They claimed they have jurisdiction. They brought him in. Oh, you're you're not you're 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 guilty, right? Well, actually, they questioned him, and they found out, oh, he's not guilty. He didn't say anything. And then they brought him into another jurisdiction. It was King Herod, and then it was the Romans, and all these other jurisdictions. Then finally, all the law went out the window, and they crucified him anyway, right? Paul has a revelation. He's like, oh, guess what? Nobody. There is no jurisdiction other than God. Do you know how empowering this is? Do you know how much responsibility it puts on you? God owns everything. When somebody comes along and said, mine, 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 Paul is saying, well, actually, no, you're a prisoner of one thing and one thing only, and that's God Almighty. And there's a grace to this, okay? What Paul is revealing here is the Lord God, the Lord God. This is something we talked about. I'm going to do a whole video on this. We've talked about it several times. There's specific language in the Bible that, as far as I can tell, literally no modern Christian understands. Kabbalists understand it. I learned this through Kabbalah. When you look at this, and um, it's understood through the monad, the spark of God, there's a spark of God within you, and then there's the totality of God. The spark of God within you is the Lord, and above is God, okay? And those two things are connected. So the singular point of the consciousness within you that's going around in three-dimensional material space and figuring this shit out, that spark, that eternal spark, is directly connected to God. The only reason you're alive, to be able to even talk and, and have a conversation about government or slavery or anything, in, any of that stuff, the only reason we can even do that is because God has allowed it. Because he owns everything. That spark was given to you by God. And Paul's coming along and be like, no, 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 we can't, you can't imprison, right, the spark of God, in other words. Unless, of course, what? That spark of God uses his power against another human being to do what? Take away his free will. God's jurisdiction is total, it's not this. It's not like there's the state and the county and the U.S. and the U.S. Corp and then there's the city and the local and then we got to have these, you know, all these. you got to pay these fines and then you gotta, there's these restrictions and you need a license to do this. No, what, what Paul is saying is that this is truth. This is truth. This is the revelation that I received. It's an order system of governance and the only authority you actually have is God Almighty. And when you understand that, you realize that you must be the most upright, the most righteous, the most moral, the most caring and compassionate human being you could possibly be down here. Why? Because you know that if you're not, the punishment for, such, for not being that is what? The greatest thing that could be doled out. Anything that's doled out down here as far as punishment pales in comparison to what God could dole out. And that's what you recognize when you are a man of God. When you recognize that, oh, I have, the only, ju- God has total jurisdiction. The only person I have to actually answer to is God, and holy shit, am I going to have to answer to literally everything I thought, everything I did, every action I took. I don't have to answer to Mayor fucking Bob, or Governor shit stain, or b- b- President whatever. I don't, when I, when I go, when I take a job, I told this to my last two bosses. I told this to my last two bosses. I said, I don't work for you. I work for God. I said, which automatically means that when I show up here, I have to be here. It's not like, well, I can kind of dick around. Nope, nope. And then of course you have to live that. Those, you have to back, you know, you can't, you have to walk the walk, talk the talk. So when I went into my last job, I proved that to him and he saw it and God bless his soul after all of that COVID thing, right? When they were like, oh, you got to wear the mask and all this stuff. And, and I said, no, I don't, I'm don't. i not doing any of that shit. Doctor, Dr. Doctor R, God bless you. May you rest in peace. And he backed me 100%. I kept my job, even though the, the entirety of liberal Hawaii was messed up and being like, you gotta do the thing. This guy stood by me. Why? Because when I went to him, I said, yeah, you I mean you can fire me, that's all that's all good. Like if you don't like me or if I do some shit or blah 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 you can fire me, but guess what? I'm not gonna have whatever I did, I'm gonna have to answer to God Almighty. Not you. You're just a dude. And do you know how much respect I got for that? Two weeks they wanted me to be a manager of the place. You have the spark of God within you. And it gives you it's incredibly empowering incredibly empowering but not to use your power over another human being no to let to to recognize that power and let that light shine before all men that's what you're there to do that's the great revelation that paul is receiving and that's why he went out and be like look everybody christ is within yo pay attention everybody and that's what that's what his message was why because it's empowering and it's truth Let's watch this. This is a little explanation of Lord and God by uh, Stan Tenen. Let's try this.
0: Um, most people don't know this, and it's not discussed by the
2: rabbis, and it's not discussed by the scholars. But we all know it when, when we read the Bible that there are usually two names. And the use of these two different names was deliberate, has specific meaning, and may be at the basis of the whole system. Um, Most people think that Abraham discovered the one God. That's the the throwaway line that we're taught. I don't think that's true. Uh, I think that in the world, um, for millennia, people understood um, the forces of nature and worshipped them as a kind of God and a pantheon of gods in the outer world. I think people also had a personal inner experience of meditation, spiritual experience, and they knew about these things. What Abraham discovered, is that the internal spiritual experience and the external world are the same thing
3: it sounds like the fundamental insight of uh, the hindu tradition that atman the essence within and brahman the the god of the universe are one
2: that's exactly right Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: wow i mean what an insight it's almost exactly what jesus said i and my father are one and then we're trying to figure out, well, what's there one? Then how's he here? And how can he be separate? And is he praying to him? And blah, and, the Trinity shit, and blah, 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 blah. The essence of the entire Bible is under, like, uh, you know, when you get to how personal the Bible is, right? This sort of personal God. It's pointing to the eternal spark within you. This is something that's given to you in Genesis. And I don't know anybody that understands it. In English, gematria Lord and God both equal 13, by the way. And this is one of the things that they're pointing to. There's an idea that's found around the world in Hinduism. They had a word and a Trinity. We'll get into that as well. But only Christians have it. All those crazy Hindus that had a word and a Trinity and afterlife. Ah, that's it's getting it's getting confusing. This is a fundamental within. In order to read the Bible, you have to understand this. And I don't know anybody that understands it. This is the Lord and the God. So here's an idea. <sighs> that's captured within, uh, you know, it's all over the Bible. I'll show you this in just a second, where, where it's introduced, we've already gone over this. So you have this idea of there's a equality in this sense. Now, of course, you're not equal to God. You're not the God above all things that can make storms and that sort of thing. That's not what it's mentioning. It's mentioning that eternal spark that's within you is directly connected to that. And that's what it's mentioning. They're equal in that sense, okay? This is the Lord God phenomenon. And this is, this is chapter two of Genesis. So basically, in the first chapter, you have... In the beginning, God created the, heavens and the, earth, and the God, heaven and the earth. And the heaven and the earth was formed, darkness, void, upon the face of the deep spirit of God, upon the face of the waters, and blah. And then I was like, let there be light. And it was like, and then God did this, and God did that. And it was like the first day, and the second day. And then God said it was good. And God, and God, and God. God, 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 God. That's all the first chapter, right? And in the first chapter, it says heaven. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Singular, heaven, singular, heaven. Singular, heaven, all throughout Genesis 1. Then it gets to chapter 2, and guess what the King James does? It pluralizes heaven. It also tells you that it also pluralizes God in Genesis as well, right? It said, oh, and then they made 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 us in our image, that sort of thing. There, I forget what the actual uh, verse is. I should have had that. But so, heaven, 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 singular, 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 singular. Then it gets to chapter 2, and it, it says heavens. Heavens is plural now. Interesting. This is chapter 2. You know what else is introduced when there's the plurality of heavens? Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, comma, and all the host of them. Who's hosting heaven now? Heaven was singular in the first verse. Then human beings were made and then heaven was plural. Heavens. And then it said, and all the host of them. Who's hosting heaven right now? You are. You are hosting heaven. This is why heavens is plural. And then it says on the seventh day, God ended his work and blessed the seventh day and all the work in which God created and made. And then verse four, it says what? And then introduce what? The Lord God. Where? Who the fuck is Lord? Where did Lord come from? Who is this Lord guy? I, we, I had God, the singular thing that was making all this stuff, and there was like a singular heaven, and then all of a sudden it was like pluralized because he made us in his image and the likeness of us and all this, and there was like plural gods, and then now there's a plural heaven, and then there's this Lord that shows up, and all the host of heaven. Where is the eternal spark? The opening lines of Genesis are telling you about something that all of modern-day Christianity rejects. jesus christ himself is telling you i and my father are one lord jesus that exists within you it's the gift of the gentiles christ within you lord i and my father are what connected united one Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Much, much love. God bless you, Mr. Amore. God bless. Thank you so much. Love you so much. Adam Z. Lab- Lablina. $27.99. Thank you so much. God bless. Um. Jeremy Hines. Tip $20. Happy rising, my friends. Much love as always. Thank you so much. Angie A. Happy Sunday to you, all from Northwest Arkansas. God bless it, Angie A. Is there another frickin'... Bird down there. We got a nasty birds all over the place. We got nasty birds in Ava, Missouri. We got some nasty birds in Spring, Tucky. Got some nasty birds in Bolivar. I'm going to convert a bunch of bears to birds. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so this is the language in the Bible. And I, once again, I don't know anybody that makes any sense of it. And yet it's telling you, specifically within language, backing up with mathematics, that you have an eternal spark of God within you and that the only person you have to actually person that you have to actually answer to is God almighty. I don't even have to answer to Jennifer. I kind of do, but you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? It's unbelievably empowering. It puts a whole bunch of responsibility on you too, but it but it also it's, you know, it's it centers your spiritual life because it centers this Imaginary thing, God—that's in fantasy somewhere, and then we can—it's like in heaven somewhere, or in another dimension, or something like that. It's like, nah, fuck that. It takes all of that and it brings it right back home. The problem with this country, do you know why this country has gone to this? It's because all of the politicians and government officials and stuff like that that are supposed to be spreading the good news, if you will, living in alignment with God's law, are not. And we know that. They're literal Satanists. Now, let's talk about Paul being a prisoner. where am I? Where are the things? Ah, there we go. For this cause, I, Paul, comma, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Ah, it's a trap. It's a prison. It's a, you know, it's like, it's a simulation. God, you know, God's mad at us. It's a fallen world. All of this language, right? And what's forgotten about all of this is what are you reading? As we say, as I repeat exhaustively all the time, this is poetry. You are reading this book in the same vein that you would read William fucking Shakespeare. Meaning, not in the same vein, because this is Holy Scripture, William Shakespeare, you know what I mean, but the same sort of tools, the same sort of literary devices, the same sort of mindset that you would take when you read an epic work like William Shakespeare or Ulysses by James Joyce. You have to put that much stock in, You know, it takes, I mean, I just know this reading James Joyce, it takes everything out of you. You can't just casually read James Joyce. No, it's going to make you stop and look up things, and now you got to thumb through some stuff and look up Latin, and you're looking up etymology, and, you know, it's challenging you, right? This is read in modern day, literally. Fundamentally it's fundamentalist literalist. Okay, well Jesus you know is a prisoner, and then all of a sudden it's like God is punishing. Him. And this mindset, this deranged, delusional, absolutely shit mindset is what leads you to this stuff. Slavery is not morally wrong. Children are slaves. You're a slave to your job. So Paul is a prisoner. Okay, now let's look at this through the eyes of a mystic, through a Gnostic, through a poet. Okay, what is this prisoner? So, who are we a prisoner of? Well, let's think about this for one second. We are of God, just like I was saying. He that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Okay, so let's let's just pump the brakes here. Let's go full stop here. So you mean to tell me that Paul is announcing to the world that he is a prisoner of a being who's entirely consisted of love. Is that what you're telling me? So Paul is getting up and he's like, look, everybody, listen up. I am a prisoner. Really? That sounds like shit, man. Do you get like three squares a day? Do they make you work in the yard? Are you in the laundry room? Do you have to like watch your cornhole when you shower? What's going on, Paul? What's up, buddy? I'm a prisoner. Paul is speaking poetry right now. This is a poetic statement. I'm a prisoner of what? Of a being who's entirely made up of love. It reminds me of this Ryan Adams song. If loving you is wrong, I am a criminal. I am a prisoner. If loving you is wrong, I am a criminal. I am a prisoner for your love. Do you know what I'm a prisoner of? Jennifer's love. She has captured my my dinky little heart here. She's got it. I am a, there, I cannot she has put some bars around my life, right? In this way and I'm like, yes, I, I, I'm i going to sign a contract to put those bars around my life. I am a prisoner of her love. And I'm announcing that to you now. Does that mean it's like, oh, life sucks? No, life has never been better. My wife is the shit. Our life is amazing. Right? This is poetry. This is, this is listen, this is Ryan Adams. On. If is wrong, I am a criminal. Paul is a prisoner of a being who's entirely made up of pure, unadulterated, 100%, the best shit you can possibly get, love. It'd be really awesome if the modern churches were teaching that, huh? Instead, instead of understanding that, what do we get? What do we get? We get this absolute trash. Where is it? I don't even know anymore. Does it even matter? Here we go slavery is not wrong you children are not slaves. you're slave by your job this is what happens when you bring a literalist fundamentalist approach to it it's dick in the dirt it's terrible it's terrible no what paul is saying is something unbelievably beautiful so now a lot of people are on this sort of like simulacrum simulation theory living in a fallen world thing and i know i was on um Chance through the Pious' show, Interverse podcast, and um, we were sort of talking about this. Oh, th- oh yes. Uh, Let me go back here. We were sort of talking about this. Uh, yes, a dog. The opposite of God is dog. And what does a dog give? Unconditional love, right? <laughs> sort of, anyway, when you domesticate the dog, right? That's what like. Anyway, we're not going to get into that. Did a whole God is dog well, live stream on um, Nasty Church Academy. Uh, Anyway, so this idea of living in a fallen world and it's a simulacrum and it's like, you know, this is a trap and a prison and this sort of language. It's like, it's like, okay, no, this is supposed to be poetry. When, you know, it's, what's the first thing you do when you fall? Do you get back up or do you just lay there being like, oh, whoa, it's me. I fucking fell. No, you get back up. So when you're told that you live in a fallen world, what's the entire course of your life? Get back up. That's what you do. This is poetry okay um so and you know we we talk about living in a fallen world we talk about being a prisoner of Christ but in no way shape or form and anything am I saying has anything to do with like you should feel a a life of total guilt and it's it's a trap and you're all cursed and you should feel bad and stuff like that no no we're supposed Paul received the grace of God and a dispensation from the Lord right of a series of a a dispensation, an order of governance, by the totality of love. That's what he see, received it from. Holy shit! God is amazing, right? So we have this this thing going around the simulation theory, and it's it gets tied to what this church does. It gets tied to because some people had mentioned this, like, yeah, they all believe it's a fallen world and it's all cursed and blah, blah blah. No, we fucking don't. No. Earth has a purpose and without the quote unquote fallen nature of it, meaning without a place in which good and evil could exist, there's no parameters in which you can actually go through that, 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 you know, the, the course in your life that, you know, the mystical pursuit, your religious quest, whatever you want to say, there would be no parameters in order to make that quest. What's actually going on down here? Earth is the greatest adventure ever. Heroes come down here. <laughs> it's really what happens, right? In in the sense, like you know, you're you're. you're Earth, uh, the, being a human is one of the most like you know. Let's just face it; it's difficult, it's stressful, it's not easy. Sometimes you you work yourself to the fucking bone, and you never get to you know an attaboy and all this other stuff. You know uh, the the world is crazy. There's satanists running everywhere. There's liars and liars and deceivers and frauds and all this other stuff. And it's a great adventure. And ultimately, do you know how many people uh, throughout time have undergone this life and said it was worth it? everybody that's had and able to and had children you you think this is a cursed existence then why are you bringing children into it inherently in the core of your being you know it's not cursed you know that this isn't some absolutely cursed place god's just being like i'll piss on you no you know that it's worth it. You know that this adventure is worth it. Otherwise, you wouldn't bring one, two, f- you know, ten children or whatever it is. You, you you know, one of our neighbors has like nine children. He's got a freaking baseball team. She knows that this place is worth it. Of all the pain and all the suffering and all the highs and the lows, after all of it. God did not make this place because it's like, oh, this place is a shithole. No. God said it was good. And then people that had revelations upon you know, with, with God have said that there there's glory here, guys. This is not this is not a place to decry or belittle. Earth is the greatest adventure ever. Only God's chosen people, his elect, the royal and divine made in his image get the chance to experience the greatest drama ever conceived. That's what's going on down here. The greatest drama ever conceived by the greatest mind that's ever existed that's full of what? Pure 100% love. So it's not a trap, it's not a prison, it's not a place to feel bad and you know that sort of thing. No, no, no. It's a trap. It's a tarp.
0: Right?
1: <laughs> so it's how you view it. Oh, we are encased, right? We're in bot. We're encased in you know material vehicles that are not going to last forever, right? It's temporary and permanent. And then we're put on a a like literally in a, a fit like a terrarium, a cage. It's like, oh, we are in prison. We fell and now we're in prison and there's like bars and shit like that. How do you view it? How do you view it? Is this a place that's cursed and needs to be just forgotten and always thinking of the next world? Or is this where we have the greatest adventure ever conceived by the greatest mind that's ever existed, that ever can exist, that's full of love? Which one is it? Both are a prison, right? One is like, ah, oh, everything is fucking terrible. I can't wait to get out of here. I never want to come back. Or are you in prison like I'm in prison with my wife? I'll help when it comes to, like, God and my wife. I'll help erect the bars. You don't even need, like, some, you don't need, like, a Barney Fife on the other side with some keys and shit like that. I'll, I'm going to make bars out of, like, adam adamantium fucking steel. Because that's how much I love God and how much I love my wife. Manly Palmer Hall had something to say about that. It is not enough that our codes be true. Oh, your you get your number crunching. <laughs> Who gives a shit? It is not enough that our codes be true. They must also be beautiful. If learning does not teach us to love, I'll paraphrase, we don't learn shit. We don't learn anything. If the churches... If the doctrines, if what we take from any spiritual pursuit that we take, if it does not teach us to love, then we didn't learn anything. And this is what Christ is all about. So, it's not a trap. It's not a prison. It's not a cage. It's not a place to be lie and forget about. No, no, no. Let's read from uh, Albert Pike, what he has to say about this. Where are we according to those those pesky masons? Masonry does not occupy itself with crying down this world with its splendid beauty, its thrilling interests, its glorious works, its noble and holy affections, nor exhort us to detach our hearts from this earthly life as empty, fleeting and unworthy and fix them upon heaven as the only sphere deserving the love of the loving of the meditation of the wise. It teaches that man has high duties to perform here and a high destiny to fulfill on this earth that this world is not merely the portal to another and that this life though not our only one is an integral one and the particular one with which we are meant to be concerned do not put your thoughts into heaven out there and some other place or the next life no you're here because you need to focus on being here that the present is our scene of action. And what do we know about the present? The present is a gift, and what is that according to the Trinity? Christ. The present is our scene of action, and the future for speculation and for trust. So we, put our, we put our trust in God. That man was sent upon the earth to live in it, to enjoy it, to study it, to love it, to embellish it, to make the most of it. He is sent into this world not to be constantly hankering after, dreaming of, preparing for another, but to do his duty and fulfill his destiny on this earth to do all that lies in his power to improve it, to render it a scene of elevated happiness to himself, to those around him, to those who are to come after him. His life here is part of his immortality. And this world also is among the stars. Let's read more from Mr. Pike. Masonry holds that with all its evils, life is a blessing. So Masonry teaches that we know that there's suffering down here we know that there's evil we know that there's liars and deceivers and frauds and pieces of shit satan running amok like a crazy man we understand it but even after all of that masonry teaches us that life is a blessing to deny that is to destroy the basis of all religion natural and revealed the very foundation of all religion is laid upon the firm belief that god is good amen And if this life is an evil and a curse, no such belief can be rationally entertained. To level our satire at humanity and human existence as a mean, as mean and contemptible. To look on this world as the habitation of a miserable race, fit only for mockery and scorn. To consider this earth as a dungeon or a prison which has no blessing to offer but escape from it, is to extinguish the primal light of faith and hope and happiness, to destroy the basis of religion and truth's foundation in the goodness of God. Amen. Yeah, those masons. Ah, those satanic masons that are literally saying, pay attention in this world because God is present within it. He did not make this place to cry and belie and belittle it and cast it off. No, you. this is where you do your work. Christ's message rely, r- r- remains in the church. Will always remain in the church the message that Christ that message that we just talked about if this if this if I, if you're here and this does not teach you to love then Jesus I failed. if the, whatever you learn does not teach you to love then it's not teaching you at all right Christ's message has been carried on through his church his church what is his church well where's his kingdom where's his jurisdiction everything and everywhere so where's his church Everything and everywhere. Where I'm standing right now, do you mean to tell me that if I don't get if I wanted to get on my knees right now and be like, yes, God, let's, let's pray and just like that, that God's not gonna listen to me, I have to go down to the churches like I like I like to you know, like I say, um the, the church of fifth and vermouth in order to make that happen? No. What is the church? What is the definition, actual definition of church? The whole body of Christians, the entirety of Christendom is Jesus's official church. That's why we say there is one body and hath many members and all the members of that is one body. Being many, our one body also is Christ. One body, many members. You're a member, 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 you know. We're all dicks on the big body of Christ, right? You're a, you're a, anyway. You know, we're all members. We're all, we all have our office. But guess what? It's one church. Modern churches are coming along separating like crazy in the Baptist and Orthodox and Protestant and LDS this and Catholic this and, ble- you know, all of this sort of stuff separating God's church. When Christ is coming along and Paul's agreeing with him, it's like, there's just one thing, man. And I have jurisdiction over the whole thing. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of one another. For we being many are one bread and one body, for we all, all partakers of one bread. For by one Spirit we are baptized into one body, there's one body, one Spirit, even called one calling. Blah, blah blah. You guys know this. <sighs> for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being member being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into the one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles. It doesn't even matter who you are. There's nothing that you can say that can get you out of the imprisonment of God's love. For the body is one, not one member, but many. There's many, but it's one, it's many. It's like a trinity. It's like there's three points, but it's one. Oh, it's almost like they're, they're, they're talking about, it's almost like the trinity applies to the body of Christ as well. That makes sense. Um, then it says now in, in Orthodoxy and in a lot of these, like Catholicism, it doesn't matter. This it sounds like the LDA. I mean, you can just go across the board and chances are that church is going to be like, we're the special boys. We have the right path. We've got the right way. It's us thing we have. And then we're going to talk about apostolic succession in the next hour. And we have these line of, uh, lineage of saints and apostles and prophets and stuff like that. And we have the lineage and it's come all the way down to today in, 2023, and we, these saints, of this church is the church that Christ set up. And a lot of people, like, you know, claim this, right? And it says, our saints and our apostles and blah, 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 they have the lineage to Christ and we, they were the ones that brought forward all of this wonderful information, blah, 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 blah. And that's the claim. And so they say that they, ah, we have the list of uh, apostles, a succession of apostles, all the way down to today. And then this is what it says in the Bible. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And ye, being rooted and grounded in uh, love. Wow, imagine that shit. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. You. You. That's what it's saying may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of God which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what what Scripture says, right? That's what Scripture says, that you, along with all those saints, St. George and St. Michael and St. this guy and that guy, St. Bobby Joe and, you know, all those saints, whatever they knew, you could know the same. You. That's what it says. You may be able to comprehend with all saints. Literally the entirety. That's the, This is geometry, by the way. <laughs> Breath, length, depth, height. Everything that you can comprehend in the fullness of God you you can do it. It's not just like the saints but oh, Saint Johnny boy back in the day. Oh, no, no. That's not the message. The message is whatever those saints were understanding comes through you today. Now, this is what this is something that somebody had said about the Trinity and the Orthodox faith. Listen to this. Goddamn nonsense all Jesus all, all analogies for the Trinity fall apart ultimately because they're referring to the created limited things. Whenever you put an analogy to the Trinity it's like oh that's a created limited things right Well how would we understand the Trinity if it wasn't for us, expressed some way in some form in the material world how, However, it can it's like a total separation between spirit and matter. No, they're actually combined in our experience. You know, you can look up and see the metaphysical and then you can look down and like smack yourself in the face and hurt yourself and be like, oh, there is physical down here. Total separation of that. However, it can help explain to people how things can be one and multiple depending on the given point of view. Ultimately, this comes from an orthodox, we believe the Trinity because it is revealed. We, God, came down and revealed the Trinity to all people and not you. You, you... (laughs) Right? And, it, and then he goes in to say, ultimately, we believe the Trinity because it is revealed to the orthodox tradition, not because we came to such a conclusion based on some deductive reasoning. Our apostles and saints, the Trinity was revealed to us and no one else. And that's why we're Trinitarians. That's the dumbest shit in the world. That's gotta be the dumbest shit in the world. Okay, if the Trinity was revealed to your special boys, then I guess it was revealed to dozens of other cultures as well that came before Christ. <laughs> by the way, by the way, the Hindus, as we found out, they had that Lord and God thing, Atman, Brahman, and then they had a Trinity, and guess what also the Hindus had? A word. And that shit came before Christ, as far as we know, right? So, um, so they had a word and a Trinity and the, the whole bit, but so it wasn't revealed to them, but it was revealed to us. Then why is the concept of three becoming one across the world? And once again, it's not the concept of fifteen becomes two. It's not the concept of thirteen becomes four. No, 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 no. It's a very specific mathematical construct, an idea, an axiom that's found across the damn world in high civilizations. That completely understood the Trinity, but then you get to the holy, holy, you know, modern-day literalist, you know, Christians, and what are they saying? The Trinity is ours because it was revealed to all lineage, the chosen boys thousands of years ago, was received the revelation by God of the Trinity, and now it's ours, you assholes. Mine, 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 mine. right? Hindus had a trinity. Christians have a trinity. Egyptians have a trinity. Orphics have a trinity. Norse have a trinity. Sicilian, Celts have a trinity. The French had trinities. But the trinity is true because it was revealed to us. You know what? I, before I became a Christian, started writing books and the church and that whole bit, right? I was a trinitarian. I fell in love with the trinity for years wrote but was writing about the trinity i consider myself a trinitarian why because you can actually with deductive reasoning find the trinity in your world all over it's the structure of time itself not only is it the first you can find that we we've talked about this i'm not going to go into this we found the trinity on our hands we found the trinity and the, the basics of the first geometric form that you can create when you do one oh fucking one of geometry my Lord, you find the Trinity, and you know once again in time itself. Then, if you actually study mystical traditions, they'll tell you that there was a mystic syllable, the Hindus, a syllable, a word. What, Om? The mystical syllable among the Hindus, signifying the supreme God of gods. Yeah, you, you mean just like in the in, anyway, which the Brahmins. F- from its awful and sacred meaning, hesitate to pronounce aloud and do it. And then the trilateral name of God, the three becoming one God, uh, which is sacred among the Hindus as the Tetragrammaton, as the Jews is composed of three Sanskrit letters, AUM. The first letter stands for the creator and then the second, the preserver and then the third, the destroyer. Now, could you deductively reason that out of creation itself? Yes. All you have to do is do some philosophy and thinking about time itself. And what do you think these cultures did? Well, that said, when I had, I'll say this, at least for my experience, it was very revelatory when I first came to the Trinity. When I first started understanding, oh, the Trinity, damn, that's like on the, the one through nine. It's like Trinity all day long. And then it's the geometry, and then it's like... You go over to the chords and music and then like time itself and like all these other things, right? It's like you can actually reason out the Trinity from the creation itself. And hence why all of these cultures did. Now that said, I I had many personal revelations on the Trinity over the years that, like I said, I don't think it really came from me. I'm not that fucking smart. But, you know, um, so there is an otherworldly aspect to it. But what happens Is that these guys come along they even you you can even extract this knowledge from the terms father son and Holy Ghost what is a ghost or a spirit it's a reference to things that are dead what's the son he's the second part of the Trinity which is what the present which what did Paul tell us about it's full of love cool awesome and then what's the first part it's God who's what the Creator You can't rationally deduct the Trinity out of time itself? No, that's how we actually map time. So what happens when you get this? We believe in the Trinity not because of thinking and actually deducing shit from the actual experience that everybody has universally, like time and the basics of fucking geometry. What do you do? It's ours, it's mine. It's mine, 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 mine. Mine, 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 mine? Mine, mine, mine. Mine, 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 mine.
0: Mine, 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 mine. shut up!
1: It's called possession. Mine, 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 mine. Guess what we just covered. What do you own? Nothing. Not a fucking thing. That's what you own. What does God own? Everything. So who's the Trinity? Who? Who does the Trinity belong to? Is it the Celts or is it the Norse? Is it the? Is it the Christians? Is it those damn Hindus? They make good food though, right? Um. Is it the Egyptians and the or? No, it's none of them. No one owns shit. God owns everything. <clears throat> okay. So, we're gonna talk about apostolic succession in just a second here. And I just wanna say, I hope I didn't miss anything here. Gracefully insane, thanks for the teachings. You are welcome, thank you. Mr. Wilkinski, welcome. Spicy Sarah, welcome. Ben Krupa, nice to see you, Zane. Small Axe. Okay, let's do a uh, little bit of commercial here, right? Uh, we're gonna pass around the the uh, basket today, all right? And so we're gonna always be collecting, okay?
3: Are they all hey, going? here? All all, 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 Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closes only. A. Hey.
1: B. C. A. Always. B. B. C. Collecting. Always. B. Collecting. Always. B. Collecting.
3: You want to go out on those sits tonight and close? Close! It's yours, not... You're going to be shining my shoes. These are the new leads. These are the Glengarry leads. And to you, they're gold. And you don't get them. Why? to give them to you is just throwing them away.
0: They're for closers.
1: See, isn't it good that you have a wife? So, because I would have been talking for like an hour without the audio on and be like, Jennifer, you get, yeah, anyway. Um, so, um, what was I saying? Oh, thank you all, all the people that have donated. You can donate at Cash App. You got it. I don't need to ramble on. You guys get it. Buymeacoffee.com, GnosticAcademy.org. If you'd like to donate, if you'd like to support the work, we really appreciate it. It's the only thing that keeps this church going. Um, got a new book out, as you know, the New Leads. Scripture in the Stars has gotten a great response, actually uh, got um, some reviews, early reviews from it, uh, and you know, people loving it, so I'm really happy for that. So thank you all the people that have donated that are becoming a member and all that other stuff. Okay, I think I'm way behind here on YouTubings. Give me a second, give me one moment. Microphone checked, what's the, okay, yes, okay. <laughs> all right, okay, cool. Okay, let's talk about apostolic succession. What is, so we did, we covered the first part, Paul is a prisoner, and let's talk about apostolic succession. Okay, what is apostolic succession? Apostolic succession is the method whereby the ministry of the Christian church is held to be derived from the apostles by a continuous succession, which has usually been associated with the claim that the succession is through a series of bishops, right? So basically, this the idea is like, uh, you know, Christ comes along and establishes the first church, right? In fact, I mean, Matthew, it's actually five, it's five verse. Matthew sixteen eighteen is when, like, you know, he establishes the church on Peter. On, on this rock I established this church and all that other thing. And then I think it's in Acts, don't quote me, like Acts 14 or 15 or something like that. They too, you know, that sort of thing. So they're reading the Bible as like a literal history book and being like, the apostles set up the church back then in 2,000 years ago when Jesus was walking around, right? and then they set up the church, and from there, the apostles and the bishops and the saints and all these people that have been associated with the church, they are responsible for bringing down the entirety of Christendom to us today. And so we have to look to the, whatever the, of course, everybody has their claim. Like, I think the Latter-day Saints have a claim of this, the Orthodox Church has a claim of this, the Catholic Church has a claim of this. Like, we are the people that are the apostles from christ in the original that sort of thing right and so uh those of the anglican uh the church of the east eastern orthodox uh, moravian old catholic oriental orthodox catholic scandinavian lutheran traditions maintain That a bishop cannot have regular or valid orders unless he has been consecrated in the apostolic succession. So, in other words, everything, according to these people, not that we give a fuck, (laughs) we don't, but according to these people, we have no credibility or credence here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ because we were not part of apostolic succession, right? God bless it, this is retarded. Okay, let's pick this thing apart. First off, let's do another video on what is apostolic succession. So, the first problem is, is you have all these people that are different churches that believe different things that all that, that claim this, like, we are from the apostles of Jesus, when, when Jesus was walking around on earth, all of these people were following him and then they set up a church and now it's the lineage of 2,000 years to today. That's what they believe. Really, do you believe in that 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue and figured out the earth was a ball? Do you believe that shit too? Do you believe that nineteen hijackers and a dude blew up two buildings in downtown New York City from from a cave? Do you believe that? Do you believe that six gorillion died in the W's and the Ws of the twos? Do you believe that shit too? What other crazy nonsense do you believe? Do you believe that the 1893 World Fair was was actually just like stucco and in, in old buildings that they put up for a nice a nice fancy weekend in downtown Chicago? Do you believe that crazy shit too? Do you believe that it was all just a bunch of Native Americans running around in loincloth and spearing buffaloes here when the when the white man got here? Do you think that's all was here? How much of, of uh, history do you actually adhere to? That we can absolutely prove is 100% nonsense. Now, that's some other history, of course. That's history made by men who were not enlightened and not part of the church. Our history, on the other hand, we have a special history of the apostles, right? And now they can't even agree which one actually, you know, was right. But of course, the Orthodox are right, of course. But or maybe the Catholics. I don't know. Anyway, they can argue about that. So let's let's listen to what apostolic secession means from some dude.
3: One could say, in a sense, that the The difference between Roman Catholics and Protestants come down to the matter of apostolic succession. Rome claims that you can know its teaching is true because it possesses the apostolic succession of office. Its bishops follow one after another from the apostles, and the apostles promised apostolic succession in the office of the bishop to guarantee truth. And Protestants say... Uh, We are right because we have the apostolic succession of teaching, not of office, and that it is the apostles' teaching that guarantees the truth, not the apostolic office, and that the apostles never taught the apostolic succession of offices, but they did teach the apostolic succession of truth, which was to be preserved in the scriptures for us for all time. So we believe in the apostolic succession, but not of office, but of truth.
1: So there's, um, that's a Protestant basically explaining apostolic succession, right? And so um, you guys get it, the doctrine of apostolic succession is the belief that the twelve apostles passed on their authority to successors. Like there was divine authority, and only, you can only be in part of this divine authority unless you're part of this special boy little church, Right. And this is what Catholics claim. This is what, once again, the, the Orthodox claim, right? The Roman Catholic Church sees Peter as the leader of the apostles, Matthew, I think it's Matthew 16, 18, I'm pretty sure, with the greatest authority, and therefore the successors can carry on the greatest authority. Now, we actually just read from the Bible itself, and and what it, what did it say? It's like, you can have whatever the saints had, you can have all of that. You can know God, the breadth, the length, literally gave you geometric dimensions to understand the fullness of the love of God, right? Like, there's like, you can all have, you can be as the saints, that's what he's saying in the New Testament. And then some special boys come along and what do they do? What do they do? Mine. 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 mine, 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 mine. mine, mine, mine They literally mine, mine, claim it's theirs. Mine, 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 That's possession. Okay. Now, Here's uh This is what um, Jay Dyer has to say about a, the actual, actual historic churches. There was this histo- these these the historic churches that were here, and they set up the apostles. Don't don't you Protestants know? And if you look it. at the
2: early church, when the apostles set up churches, we can go and read them. I've got Justin Martyr pulled up right here.
1: I've got uh, the way Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, mm-hmm. Ignatius, Clement, all of these great. Early- Irenaeus, Clement, the whole right. He's he's listing out three whatever saints there. That were around in the first, second, and third century. That were writing about right the, the church and the formation of the church and that sort of stuff. Right, right off the lineage of all those actual, you know, the apostles and Christ Himself. So what Jay is claiming there is that we've got writings from uh, first, and second, third century that is, uh, you know, agreeing with what I believe.
2: The church fathers of the first, second, third century. They show how the uh, the church is operating at this time period. Mm-hmm. They're the churches that the apostles set up, right? This is something the Protestants forget. Don't you realize they went and set up actual historic churches? Right. We have succession in these churches. Even some of them still are around today. And they set up bishops and they set
1: up a liturgy. So they set up bishops, they, they set up liturgy. The Orthodox tradition, listen to this. The Orthodox tradition says that the Holy Bible is a liturgical book, which means you can't possibly, you dummies, Listen, you idiots, you guys can't, you you peons and peasants, you people not of the divine order of God, you can't possibly read the Bible right without understanding it through the church. It's a liturgical book, so without the liturgy of the church, there's no way that you can possibly understand the Holy Bible. Then that very same tradition that says that the Holy Bible is a liturgical book will also tell you that that tradition does not read the book of Revelation in the church services because they don't know what it means they don't know they will literally to i've i've heard that now i think by four or five different times from orthodox people that say look this is that we just stay away from revelation because who fucking knows what that means us gnostics might have a few clues why is seven mentioned 54 times in revelation why is there repeated mentions of verifiable constellations that you could point out in scripture those guys know none of it Five, 7, the number 7 is mentioned 54 times in Revelation. Maybe the number 7 has something to do with it. I don't know. That seems pretty crazy. I might be I might be bringing my logical, you know, rational deduction to this. So this church doesn't even read Revelation in church because they don't know what it means. Yet the book is a liturgical book. What? What? So think about this. The idea of apost- uh, apostolic succession The apostles started the church, and all the lineage down to us today is they've kept the records and kept the church up and all of this sort of stuff, and they're responsible. So unless you're orthodox, you're not actually a Christian. Of course, then, you know, Catholics will say, well, unless you're Catholic, you're not a Christian, right? Of course, we understand that that's all God-blessed nonsense. Bless their hearts. (laughs) Right, Ryan? Okay, so according to the claims, listen to how crazy this shit is. Absolutely ridiculous. According to the claims of apostolic succession, the bishops and the, the saints and the apostles and all the people that were involved in the church that had the special lineage that were, you know, whatever, consecrated, you know, you know whatever, made part of the church. That's what they were the ones in general Keeping the lineage of the Bible and the stories and everything like that all the way down to today And this is what their claim is so these guys on the left saints and apostles and all this other shit These guys kept the history of the life of our Lord and Savior The guys on the left there so the guys on the left they're like we are there These guys are getting up and they're like saying we're responsible for way back in the day, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was on earth walking around, we have kept up the history. we have kept up the tradition and the lineage. We are the church that has brought this wonderful ancient knowledge that as your you know your salvation tied to, we are the ones that brought it forward. That's what they're claiming. Okay, cool. Glad, glad to hear that. So these guys, they got the history of life of Jesus. Cool. Then on the right you have what's called the Holy Bible, is the Holy Scripture. And that's a whole big fat book, right? And there's not one singular date in the whole thing. Not one. In fact, the only date that we're actually given is some vague thing like, oh, they followed a star in the east to to, to mark where Jesus is gonna be born. So they were they were astrologers? What the fuck is going on? Anyway, so <laughs> so let's so, the first thing I want to say is, let, let's start right out. and um,
0: Let's start right out. Hey, what happened?
1: What happened? Guys, what, 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 you know, what, what happened? So, according to churches like the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church and things like that, they're claiming that all the way from the apostles that first set up the church all the way down to today, they've kept the tradition, they've kept scripture, they've kept the stories alive, they've got... The, they have... Saints allegedly from the first, second, and third century that have written documents that are saying this is what was going on in the church and this is what believed. Don't you Protestants understand? Ooh, right? Okay, cool. Let's pick this freaking crap apart. These guys that were here when Jesus was walking around on earth was Mary. Mary was here, and then Jesus was here, and all the apostles were here. Correct? And like and then all the people that also saw all the magical works that jesus did right it was like oh my god he transformed transfigured in front of me oh my god he healed that person oh, i cast devils out oh, all these guys you know all the, walked on water all of these miracles right so these guys they kept not one single birthday the people that are claiming that we hold the tradition of christ almighty when he was here walking around on earth they're the ones that are saying we're the tradition they kept not one single birth date of any of the disciples not one not jesus's birthday not mary's not joseph's think about this (sighs) okay they jesus was here and they consecrated the you know it's like oh we're going to celebrate easter and and after the equinox or the uh, the equinox and after like the moon is full or some shit. I forget what it is. But anyway, it's going to be based on astrology, but there was a specific day that Jesus was, according to you, put on a cross and bled and died. And then there was a day that he was born and you guys didn't record it. What? What? Do you guys record your children's birthdates? We went to... (laughs) Yes, Marty, of course we do. Right? We celebrate it. Right? Went to this Amish store in, in southern Wisconsin, right? And it was, like, uh, just uh, just west of Monroe. Little Amish store. The, you know, I was actually going to get some clothes made for me there because I'm short and stocky, and I'll probably still have to take them to Aunt, Aunt Jake to get them hemmed. But the point is, went to this store, and they had a family tree of all the Amish, all the way back to, I think, like the 1300s or something, of the Amish people that, like, came over here, or maybe 1400, something like that came over here the family tree so it was like they had noah and abraham and malachi and you know all the you know all those amish traditional amish names so they had a family tree for hundreds and hundreds of years and the catholics or the orthodox didn't continue that family tree when the lord and savior was here when did jesus die what happened to jesus's family Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what what what, what, happened? what happened. What happened? What happened to Jesus's family? Think about this. Um, Jesus had brothers and sisters. It, it's known Jesus had a couple of brothers. I think James and Judas. There was a couple, a couple. He had a couple brothers, and he also had sisters. And they don't give you the names of the sisters. So once again, we go back to these guys here. Um, let's look at these. The church fathers. So they there was. Jesus had living sisters. Now were they just like nun sisters? Were they just like, yeah, that's my sister. Yo, shit, it's like my brother. You know, like Bobby ninety six. He's my brother now, right? He's not my actual physical brother, right? We're not from the same lineage, right? Or, the, or he'd be shorter. But you know, he's my brother. So maybe that's what they mean. It was not actual physical like lineage brothers and sisters. Even if that were the case, what happened to him? Jesus had sisters. What were their names? Did they get married? Did they have children? What happened to the children? Or did they just all stop having children after? Because you got to remember, what does the Bible tell us in Matthew, the beginning of Matthew? It tells you about 42 generations to Christ. It's the first thing that they give you. A family fucking tree. That's the first thing that you get in Matthew. Abraham to David, David to Babylon, Babylon to Christ. The so 14 generations and 14 generations and 14 generations. And then Jesus shows up. And then, what, what, what? Well, hey, what what happened? happened you guys stopped the the lineage you guys stopped the family tree you guys stopped recording so because Jesus had brothers did they have any children god could you imagine being Jesus's brother like that would suck right like like it's like your brother's the freaking son of God and what are you dude like you're like what is his brother Jude? I think he has a brother named Judas he probably owns like a small engine repair and you know, he's like fixing like steel chainsaws and weed whackers and shit like that, and Jesus over here is walking on water, right? I mean, how do you deal with that? Anyway, the point is, neither none of these people that are claiming apostolic succession thought it was good to record any of that shit. The first thing you're given is a lineage, a family tree, all the way up to when the Savior was here
0: walking around on earth.
1: And these guys are like, we're from that directly, and you guys fucked up so bad. You didn't keep any information on what happened to his family. <clears throat> when did Jesus? When was he born? When did he die? When did his family have children? What were the names of the children? What happened to Jesus' family? Did Mary ever? Ha- did she have more children? What about Jesus' brothers? What about her sisters? What happened to Jesus for the 18 years in, in scripture? Right? Okay, maybe you don't know that. Okay, what does revelation mean? These people are claiming all of this stuff, and you guys fucked up so bad that you didn't even keep the family tree going. Now I could I could see if you guys were like Irish or something like that, right? Then you could at least have some excuse. It's like, ah, you know, Uncle Mickey O'Malley spilled the bush mills on the family tree, and we we're like, oh, we were all drunk at the time. It's like, ah, fuck it. You know, you could almost make an excuse. But you, you you, Eastern Orthodox and some of you other Catholics that are not you know, up on the ire in Ireland there, you don't have an excuse at all. If apostolic succession is, think about this. If apostolic succession is true, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Did they have children? How old were, when did they have children? How many children did Jesus had allegedly, I don't know how many sisters, right? Doesn't know, I think four brothers. Did they have children? Think about it. That's like Da Vinci Code shit. There would this is you know that book Holy Blood Holy Grail that the, the Da Vinci Code is essentially based on. It's this idea that there's an actual bloodline to Christ. According to apostolic succession there would be Mary, did she, have, she I mean Jesus had brothers, did they have any children? Did they have children? Did, you could guys could your church instead of looking at yourself and being like, we're the apostles, we have the information all the way back in the day. You didn't keep any of it. None of it. The Amish did better at keeping a family tree than the entirety of orthodoxy and Catholicism. Think about it. 42 generations. The first thing you get is a family tree. And oopsie daisy, we just plum fucking forgot to fill it out you know how crazy you know how absolutely insane it is if apostolic succession is true let marty Leeds be the first to tell you if the catholic and orthodox church and lds whatever if any of these churches are seriously claiming that they are responsible for keeping the history and wisdom tradition of jesus himself then they are the worst custodians of the divine who have ever walked the face of the earth Do you know how many people are arguing today over Jesus' birthday? You assholes could have ended the argument. We could have had at least a date, right? Of course, of course, then they will. They say, well, we celebrate birth. Jesus' birthday on this date and blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. Maybe you have Jesus' birthday. What about the rest of them? Nothing. Nothing. Otherwise, we would know. All the lit- Think about it. You guys have picked up the Bible before. It was one of the most striking things when I first started studying this stuff. I'm like... What's up with all the lineage in this thing? It's like the first thing you get Genesis and Cain and Abel and Seth and all these, you know, a whole lineage from there. And then you go to the New Testament, you get a lineage, and then all of a sudden, it's just up and vanished like a fart in the wind. Seriously, guys, what hey, happened? What happened? What happened? So worst custodians of divine knowledge who have ever walked the face of the earth and not only that while they're carrying this hubris about being we are the one line right they're saying shit like well the trinity was revealed only to us the true nature of the trinity was revealed only to us interesting i'm really interested in seeing how that's going to work out for you in the afterlife So, now, there's lots of people in this church that believe that Christ was real being and that there's history, and there's zero issue with it. Like, no one here cares, right? I don't care. Doesn't matter at all. But what we're not going to do as Gnostics is sit here with some hoity-toity fucking hubris and be like, well, we have the one lineage back into when he was actually here. This guy was here. And you didn't leave us anything but a bunch of old stories that you guys can't even understand. According to you, not me, according to you guys, the Catholics and the Orthodox and all these other that have no fucking clue what gen- what, what revelation means at all. You failed. Epic fail. That's a big F. And not only that, why are your churches going, you know, you why are the parking lots empty? Because people can see through your bullshit now. They know you don't know what it means. We can see it. And we can also see when you say retarded shit like, the Trinity is Oz. Really? Really? Because I had, you know, I, I wrote a book called Lord Jesus Christ and the first thing in it, it says, you know, first time I saw Jesus was on a trillium flower gnostic revelation with a plant about the triune nature of god and these traditions that are supposed to be upholding the method of revelation are saying you can't have anything revealed to you unless it agrees with the church that done plum fucking forgot to write down the rest of the family tree of jesus that's insane and you know what else it's doing? It's taking that one church, the one spirit, the one body, and trying to take it away from you. The very thing that Christ gave us. These churches are saying. Well, we know what they're saying, guys. We know what they're saying. They're saying, uh. mine,
0: mine, 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 mine. Shut,
1: Shut up. up! All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for me. I was going to go into a few other things, but I think it's good. We're at 1041. I really appreciate everybody that uh, stops by and supports the work. You guys are good, nasty birds. I love you guys. you good birds. I want to say... I want to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Um, well, da, da, da. And I'm not... You know, the other thing is when we... Um, Check telegram, okay. Thank you, my wife. I want to say this, too. You know, when I, um, you know, I cut the rug here a little bit or whatever. When I try to, you know, when I uh, dig into these traditions, this is no hate against Catholicism. My whole family was Catholic. This is no hate against Orthodox, right? But Amor, Amor here was baptized Orthodox, right? We're not hating any of these traditions or anything like that. What I am going to always call out Till the day that I you know am six feet under is this possession is trying to take Christ's church and divide it. It's not gonna happen on my watch. We're not doing that here. Okay? You guys can go go and, in you know, we'll, we'll go and listen to, like, what is Jesus called? The Holy One of God. Okay, so he's like oneness. And then what does the Trinity tell us? Ah, it comes back to the oneness and unity. We're going to go with that. We're going to we're gonna read right from Scripture and say, oh, look at this, the one body, one church, and stuff like that. We're going to listen to that as opposed to somebody's stupid-ass interpretation that's saying, let's divide. Let's divide and keep dividing. And then while we're dividing, let's mock and deride and belie and belittle and chide. And cast, you know, cast these other churches down. You're not getting into heaven, and you're not getting into heaven, and you're not getting into heaven. If you're going around with that attitude, good fucking luck. Cool. Alright. Jennifer, I told you I needed kava this morning, but you're like, you know, anyway. (laughs) Ah, Auntie Jake. Auntie Jake, thank you so much alicia crawford thank you so much magical steven bought me a coffee thank you so much john Vina, the truth seeker thank you so much ruth scott god bless you great insights from the teachings as always thank you so much i really appreciate that you guys are awesome um that's gonna do it so next week i think we're going to do um the hamsa and then i think we're gonna get back into matthew because we need to get into matt we were up to chapter four and Matthew 5 is really good. It's just Jesus speaking, and it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So, um, of course it is. Of course it is. But, so thank you all for joining me today. Let me make sure I get back here. Like I said, next week we will do, um, I think we're going to do the Hamsa, which is a symbol of the ham. It's got three fingers and two thumbs, and we're going to take that apart. Why is there a symbol with two thumbs and three fingers? And why is that related to God? And that sort of thing. So we'll we'll pick that apart, and that'll be a short one. Probably like an hour so. Thank you for sharing the message and appreciate and appreciate all you were doing to share the truth. Bobby96, thank you, my brother. Passionate Marty is the best. Marty, yes. Jesus loves Jesus. And we're going to come see you guys in Canada. I'm going to fucking show up at your door someday, okay? I love your passion, Marty. I can't help it. I get going here. This is just how it is. This is how I am. So, okay. Thank you guys all so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, let me go to Rockfin here. Make sure that we're good. 13 watching. God, we're getting those numbers up. 13, huh? <laughs> all right, cool. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for me. Thank you all for being so amazing and uh, spending this Sunday with me. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. If you do, guys, get a chance and want to support the work, please buy a book. Um, you know, uh, sign up at the site. Uh, donate uh, It's what keeps this going. So I uh, really appreciate that. And as always, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right, so we're going to listen to a song called Prisoner by Ryan Adams. It's a live cut think May 4th, 2017, and that's going to do it. All right, guys, I will see you next Sunday. Thank you all for spending your Sunday with me, and I hope you guys learned something, and I hope you guys are closer to the truth, okay? So, all right, that's going to do it. As always, many blessings and much love to all.
0: i uh-huh.